0: Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malafa podcast, and our hobby primer on painting.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing that always threw me off is, like, how painting primary colors are different than, like, if you're in theater and doing lighting primary colors.
0: Yeah, the light and... Oh, what is it I guess I guess it would be technically paint light and paint are the complete opposite of each other
1: yeah which I still don't understand like how you see Why?
0: paint using light <laughs> well here's the, okay here's the thing uh, paint I guess we could start with this paint is the addition of pigment to things mm-hmm. yeah. um, so paint is additional light however different color light is subtractive mm-hmm. it is removing the other colors. Oh. So once you combine all the different colors of light, it becomes white, because technically that is all the light then at that point just in parts. Whereas paint, you're combining all of the pigments, which, you know, can only go darker and blacker.
1: I think that's the best explanation of that, succinctly put that I've ever heard.
0: Yay, Doug. Okay. Hi. Welcome to Steam Barnes Scoundrels. Amalifa podcast. We this is the uh, this is the painting primer. Hooray. Took the list a little bit, but uh, we had more important things to go over in February, so we're getting back around to the PSAs. Along with that, uh, we'll be getting around to doing the primers. I'm still doing those, I promise, but they're officially cursed. (laughs) Um, It (laughs) looks like like we'll be skipping over Guild, because I really want Robert to do it, but uh, every time we've tried, something has either come up, and now he's... Has a much more important job to be doing because of coronavirus, and I I still want Tim to do it, so we'll postpone that. We'll do Neverborn next once I find a Neverborn person, but it will also be shorter, I promise. (laughs) Uh, I've just just flat out decided that we can't do it the same way we've done it before because I'm really sick of going over four Four plus hours hours (laughs) of content editing it is not good for my sanity but this is a painting primer and i figure painting is a little bit more important than assembly so i brought on some uh friends you all know roman say hi hi also painting involves actual primer yeah and victoria who's color commentary
1: probably because i don't know how much help i'm gonna be i'm still very new to painting
0: what are you assembling? Victoria's doing hobby.
1: I am aso- assembling Nani right now. Okay. And the voice.
0: Nani and the voice. Cool. All right. So I've got kind of uh, show notes here to sort of keep me on track. And remember, this is primarily new stuff for newer painters. I'll try to throw in some tips and tricks I've learned for possibly more moderate painting people. I would not consider myself a professional. Maybe uh, maybe a semi-pro? Like, my painting is is good. I've done commission work before, but, like, not at all on the same level as people that do it professionally. Also, I'm very crappy at taking photos of my models.
1: (laughs) But when you see them in person, like, Doug, I look at your stuff and I go, you are at a level where most people, if if they hobby in order to play instead of hobbying for the sake of hobbying... They're going to look at your stuff and go, wow, that is smooth and crisp. How do I do that? Aw,
0: thanks. That feels really good.
1: You're welcome.
0: You're Aww. welcome. See? I
1: told you your stuff is good.
0: Yay. I, but you, the typical artists hate their own work kind of yeah. thing. And exactly. also, I'm your
1: wife, so yes. I have to say nice things to you.
0: Ow. <laughs> ah, welcome to Steam Powered was a Depression podcast. Oh, come on. I'm your host, Sad Doug. Now, all right, okay. Let's go. Let's go over supplies first. You know, the stuff you need to paint. we have got a nice little list here. Roman, feel free to chime in if there's anything you think that is, you know, really key. We'll go over the core items and then uh, some additional stuff as well. Let's. Uh, well, first up, primer. Primer is what you put on the models to, uh, you know, make it a lot easier to paint. Uh, consider like putting a canvas over your plastic to then paint on. It'll save you a lot of headache if you primer stuff. And it's really easy to do. It's probably the easiest step here. So just just primer your stuff. Depending on what you're painting, some models do come pre-primed. Um, that's amazing, and I wish more people did it. But weird makes you uh, weird lets you assemble uh, their models. So uh, you'll have to do the priming yourself. I like people always love complaining about assembly, but I find it super cathartic. And the fact that Weird's models are much more complicated, I also enjoy because at that point it becomes a puzzle. I think <laughs> I'm pretty much the same way.
1: I think you're the only people I have ever heard say that about assembling. Weird like models. I
0: had a lot of fun doing the lamp pads,
1: which I appreciate you doing that for me. Thank
0: you're me. welcome, and they are freaking gorgeous.
1: They are amazing.
0: I'll also go out and buy uh, Tamiya extra thin cement. <laughs> this immediately becomes a commercial. I, I, like I'm painting things. People always talk about supplies and whatnot. And I've always seen the name come up every once in a while. It's like, to me, it used to me, extra thin plastic cement. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I needed more exacto blades. And I figured I'd just get this because I keep losing the nozzles to my plastic glue from Citadel. And this comes with a brush, which is the most amazing invention a brush. A brush. A brush. It's so nice. <laughs> oh, no, it It doesn't, like, melt the plastic quite as fast. So you can fiddle with it a little bit more without ruining your stuff. So I, I've, I like this a lot more. So anyways, we're already, <laughs> we're already on topic. So primer. You need primer. Um, if you only need one primer, get gray. Gray works for everything. Technically, any paint works for any colored primer works for anything. But... Um, once you get into of more advanced stuff, uh, you can tailor your primer to sort of affect the overall look of your models. But gray is good. Gray is good. Uh, if not gray, then white, I think. Black is sort of the hardest to work with, I think. After you're done priming, then you need some paint. Um, go ahead and pick whatever your local store has. Yeah, support your local store. Um, I use Citadel because that's what my local store had, only had for the longest time, but I'm actually looking to eventually convert over to Scale 75. Looking forward to that. But, what paints do you use, Roman?
1: Uh, I honestly, at this point, I use a mixture of Vallejo because I like the dropper bottles over the, uh, the Citadel pots. And I still have a few of the, like I went to uh, a craft store and picked up like the dollar tubes of, of stuff. Cause it turns out all the pigment is the same <laughs> and then it just, you have to, to thin the, uh, the tube paint a, a good bit more.
0: That's a good idea.
1: Yeah. I, I used to, I got into this with 40 K so I needed a lot of paint for cheap <laughs> and it turns out those tubes, which I've, had some of them since starting 40k are a lot of paint for cheap
0: yeah yeah i want to say like if you're thinking budget-wise army painter does a good job it's pretty cheap good pigment not uh, obviously as ton of work as your dollar store acrylics Mm -hmm. don't use oil paint don't don't don't,
1: don't, no no oil paint no watercolors
0: No no enamel.
1: don't use enamel
0: no don't I guess yeah, if, if you're new to this then you might not realize that uh, you got to use acrylics people
1: uh, don't don't go to Home Depot and get like a quarter latex paint. That's a bad idea.
0: <laughs> like depending if you're playing like Space Marines, I guess you can use I guess I'm not sure exactly what spray paint is, but you can I use that
1: would, I wouldn't you could, but I wouldn't.
0: You know, I Honestly, either, you,
1: but- you know what i before i switched to an airbrush you know what i used to to prime all my models the rust like times two <laughs> like <laughs> black or white works perfectly fine couple bucks get you a couple cans just uh <clears throat> make sure you're doing it in a well-ventilated area and not when it's cold yeah
0: yeah um my ba- I do, I do it in my basement, so the fumes kind of permeate a little bit up into my living room, but a not little. bad. A little, a little. Sometimes
1: it can get really bad,
0: depending if I'm going a little too hard or not. Mm-hmm. But that way, I don't have to worry about the temperature thing. So I guess, well, we can get a primer later, primer later. But paints, yeah, get yeah, get paints, and then you need something to uh, spread those paints onto your models. So some paint brushes, really. Uh, especially budgeting and early on, it's not going to matter a whole ton of what brushes you got. As long as they've got a decent enough point, anything will work. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the more you get into painting, the more you'll probably want more quality brushes. I currently paint with um, Series 7 from Winsor & Newton. Yep, same uh, here kolinsky brushes whatever i'm not sure what those were those words mean. Sable yeah is the word you're looking for sable brushes kolinsky's like uh, e- either a design or another company i'm not sure how that all works out now that i think about it here i'm admitting stuff i don't know i, I believe it's another brand i don't know no no one knows <laughs> no one knows yeah sable brushes quality sable brushes which uh, help out a lot, especially with, with Malfo miniatures. Like something that can hold a point for a very long time is good quality work and they're not too terribly expensive. You'd be surprised how few paintbrushes you can get away with. I pretty much use a double zero, a zero, and a two, and that's it for me. And um, sometimes I'll also use an army painter uh, insane detail if uh, I'm doing kind of grunt ish, but still high detail work. So I can yeah. sort of, so I can sort of save my double zero because um, mm-hmm. the, the smaller the brush is, the faster it tends to deteriorate.
1: Yep, and actually that was going to be, I wanted to highlight your point about brushes that hold a good point because <laughs> I'm I'm very much like you of I have, I think a, a zero, I even go as high as a one, a one, a zero, and a triple zero. But the triple zero I have. It doesn't look that much smaller than the Zero as far as the brush itself. It has a lot of body to it, mm. but the point is super tight. Nice. So the nice thing is it, it takes a longer time for the paint to dry or even start to, unlike the, uh, the Insane Detail Brush, which is like three bristles. You can get almost <laughs> no paint on it. I've, I've used it a long for a long time. I went through about three of them before I found out about this with the, the bigger body on the brush. But yeah, for for people starting out, go to your Michaels or wherever you want to buy your your paint brushes. They usually have like a pack of various sizes of relatively tiny brushes for like five or ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a couple of those. They're gonna be not sable. They're gonna be uh, fake synthetic. Fur. Synthetic. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and they're gonna you're gonna destroy them. Uh or you're going to learn how to not destroy them. Once you get to a point where you're good at not destroying them, then go ahead and spend money on sable.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh next up is a palette, something to put your paint on. Um literally anything flat and not absorbent will work. Paper plate. Perfectly fine. You can go out and get like a dollar palette from Michaels that actually has like the, the little holes in it. Or not holes, but um. dents.
1: Yeah, Michael's has a pack of like 10 of those. You can get it for like five bucks.
0: Yeah. Super cheap. Throw them away when they're, you know, garbage, all that other stuff. Very simple to have.
1: Although, you know how satisfying it is to just peel the paint out of those things?
0: Very satisfying. Okay. Anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like
0: Roman has not partaken in that part kind of satisfaction.
1: I have, but it has been many moons.
0: Okay. Um, after that, you want some paper towels for drying off stuff and a technique that I'm very, very advocate for. I, I guess I'm not sure if it's like a, a secret technique or just how other people... Te- but uh, one of the, like the big questions that people have will get answered using paper towels. So look forward to that, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you need paper towels. Um, next up, I think this was also a part of the... Assembly primer, and that's you need good lighting, even more so now because this is definitely going to sort of teach your eyes and have you figure out how the thing is supposed to look properly. Because there's nothing worse than like painting and poor lighting, and then bringing out onto the table and it just looking weird. So go ahead and get yourself a lamp. Any sort of desk lamp will do. There's plenty of fancy ones out there, but you don't need those. Not right off the bat, and or just paint in a well lit area. Excuse me, if you can get natural light, if you can, uh, you know, survive the sunlight coming in from a window, then that's even better. I think natural light is probably the best, even better than, like, some of the fancy lamps.
1: If you can not live in a basement. And... Yes.
0: But, you know, that's usually a lot of us don't paint during the day either, so that's not the most common thing you're going to have. Yeah. And last but not least, you need the internet. <laughs> um, also, Yes painting is something you're always learning about learning new things and learning even just like the basics of color so just being able to google something real quick surprisingly enough when i'm looking for good color combinations i'll usually just go to places that have like house design palettes Mm -hmm. like they have those in a lot of like home improvement places especially where they sell paint where there's like oh there's like four or five paints that just go together and i'll actually use those palettes as a reference sort of like oh Mm -hmm. this color will go well with this and so on and so forth so i don't have to like guess and sometimes i'll get it wrong because surprisingly enough you can screw up a kind of a paint job by just using a bunch of colors that don't go well together so yeah um if you have uh, if you have a combination in mind as opposed to like just looking for a color to go with, then you just you could probably google that color combination and it'll sort of show you if that's something you can work out
1: yeah, uh once you really get into figuring out color combinations, get yourself a color wheel and Google in the internet like color theory and color triads uh that will. That will help understand why certain colors look well together and others just don't.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Surprising enough, like, I, 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 I agree, color the the color triads, but all that stuff you can just Google. Exactly. Uh, I think you really need to actually own a color... I'm not actually sure what a color wheel is. It's just like a poster?
1: Uh, it's a little circular, like... Wheel? You know those mm-hmm. desks that we get with the exit game things? Oh, okay. It's kind of like that, but with the colors. Okay. Yeah, you can essentially... It, it's a it's a wheel of colors, and you can essentially turn the little cardboardy thing that's a, a filter, <coughs> and it'll show you, okay, if this is the color you're looking at, the next color over in showing in the next box is like the... I cannot think of terms today. Complimentary? Uh Thank you. The complementary and then the the tertiary triad colors and so on and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. So yeah, it, it's it it cheats for you essentially. But yeah, the the internet can do it all for you too.
0: You all fancy folks, and I just eyeball everything.
1: Cool, dude. I got mine in a. a I got mine as a free thing that came in a box from like I think
0: Gadzooks. Oh, cool. All right. So those are the basics. Uh, yeah, basic stuff. So. Once you get into more fancy things, we uh, can go over. Oh, fancy brushes. Yep. Um, once you're really feeling up to it, you can probably reach out into the the sable ranges. Oh, another basic thing: uh, brush cleaner. Yes. Yes. Um, you need to clean your brushes. I don't br- clean my brushes nearly as much as I should, but yeah, I think the general consensus is try to do it after every painting session. Mm-hmm. Uh um, huh. So, oh, a paint pot. A water pot. A water pot. I always call it a paint pot. Yeah, those are two other basic things I completely forgot about. But here I am remembering. So you want to clean your brushes. Uh, Brush cleaner generally is sort of a a, a kind of a soap consistency for the most part. I think Uh, that can change between different companies. But your your craft store that will sell you your paint and your brushes will also have brush cleaner. You'll just um, sort of rub your brush in it, get it nice and soapy and wet, and then just... I usually use, like, the, the pad of my palm um, and just just grind the brush into it, and you'll get out. It'll be really gross and cool because you'll be getting colors out of it. You didn't think were still in there. Um, <laughs> but once the, the soapy suds no longer or a gross color, then you know you've cleaned it decently enough. And then it will also help you l- restore the point. So after you're done cleaning, um, get a little bit more soap on it and then, you know, twist your point with your fingers on the brush and then let it sit. But you also need water to uh, clean your brush as well, get all the, the paint off of it that you have put on it. I'm rambling. Anything else I'm missing, Roman that you think of? Uh, for just cleaning and or just, general just, like- just just basics because I forgot water, obviously. here's the sort of things like we've this is so ingrained into our hobby that we kind of forget what is actually needed. Yeah, that's fair. I, I
1: want to just drive home again. Paper towels. Get them. <laughs> yeah. But no, as far as like, oh, I, I have a good one. Oh. If you have any, any trouble with, and you may already have this from following Doug's modeling primer, get a tray because it's great for just keeping all your stuff together. And that way, if you get a splatter of paint on stuff, it's not on the table. It's on the tray and you don't care. Please yeah. save your kitchen
0: table. Please save your kitchen yes. table. tray or uh big enough mat, depending. I downstairs, well, first off, the desk I paint at is garbage, and I don't give a crap, but I've got a big exacto cutting mat that I also use for catching paint.
1: Yeah, and that's perfect. I like my little tray because it has a little edge on it, so yeah. for when I'm actually building stuff on it, if I drop a piece, it's contained.
0: Oh, that's good. That's smart. Smarter than me. Okay. Oh God, okay. Back back to back to fa- back to fancy shit. Okay. Fancy brushes. Get your sables. Again, you don't need all of the different sizes. Skip a few sizes between what you like. Make sure also that some companies will have a general difference between mi- their miniature sized brushes and their regular paint brushes. So, like a number two and a number two miniatures is is different. Which uh, I learned. I probably should have learned a long, longer ago, but then I basically found out in, during Christmas when someone got me a brush that, oh, this is a lot bigger than I was expecting. Uh, hmm. Yeah, right? So actually, it might just be stuck. It just might be a case with Windsor and Noon, but keep that in mind. Use the word miniatures when you're Googling paintbrushes. Okay, after that, a wet palette. I wouldn't even consider this fancy shit. Really, this is the first thing you should upgrade, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So what a wet palette is, is the palette that keeps your paint wet. And you can buy pretty cheap ones online, or you can make your own, and that's more or less what I've devolved myself into doing, because it's actually the best turnout I've had. Um, I bought a wet palette a long time ago, which was just sort of a tray with a lid, a glorified Tupperware, more or less, with a sponge... And I got a really thin flat sponge that covered the entire bottom of the tray. And then some fancy wet palette paper. And that's what I used for years and years and years. And then I ran out of the paper. And my sponge more or less died. It got a bunch of holes in it. So I was like, okay, you know what? Until I order more, I'm just going to go ahead and use a wet paper towel. Just get... Uh, I usually use a couple folds of a paper towel, get it wet, squeeze out about half the water, put it in the bottom of the tray, and then cover it with parchment paper, which is the old trick. This is the f- trick just about anyone will tell you to do. And that actually worked a lot better than the stupid fucking paper I bought. <laughs> Pardon the language. but um, <laughs> So I actually have no intent on like going back to that paper, and I'm pretty satisfied with the wet paper towel as well, so... Yeah, the idea of it is you put it in you put your paint in there and then your paint won't dry out, or at least it'll it'll last a lot longer than on a regular palette. And so that means that it will be really close to the consistency you thin it to for a lot longer, which means you have to thin it less, which means you don't accidentally start using thick paint, which is bad. It is bad. It is very bad. Also, like it will actually stay overnight if you put the lid on it, which, you know, most of these things come with lid, or if you use... You can use a Tupperware. There is nothing wrong with using a Tupperware, and Tupperware has lids. So you can go that route. But it'll actually keep overnight and more or less be roughly the same consistency. So it's very, very useful. I recommend it as the first thing you do to sort of upgrade your upgrade your setup. I have down here more paint. There is no such thing as too much paint. I have... Good God. About 200 pots downstairs from Citadel and other companies. Yeah, I have have quite a few. I mean, they've they've been built up over the years, but you can do mixing to get a lot of the colors you need, but it's also a lot easier just to start from a closer point with the colors you want. So go ahead and get more paint. Once that's easier, you can carry over into your inks, your shades, your glazes. These are sort of paint-adjacent paints that are use for making the model look better that you can do with regular consistency paints. Those are pretty high up on the buy also level. Shading is very easy makes your model look a lot better. So um, I would almost say those are the next things you should get. I haven't used a whole lot outside of Army Painter and Citadel. Um, I know in some in some ways for some companies inks and shades are different and i'm not entirely sure what those are so i apologize but i'm sure you could google that <coughs> excuse me glazes however work in a different way and we can get into those how those work later but let's move on uh don't don't buy i think citadel is the only one that makes these and i don't know if they still make them or not don't buy dry brush paint it is a scam
1: it's a waste yes of money. it is but-
0: um, what they are is they're basically already dried paint, <laughs> and then you just jam a dry brush in there, and then you wipe it off a little bit, and you go to town, but the problem is it's very cakey, and then it itself, it can still dry out further to a point where it is just a rock inside of a pot, and you've wasted five bucks. Don't buy it. You can get into fancier lamps, we sort of, uh, talked about, or alluded to earlier. Uh, I think Otlight is kind of the the biggest name brand, but I'm sure there's other ones Fancy out there. Links get what works yeah. for you there is yeah, a really you
1: might cool be able to find something uh cheaper than name brand outlight because essentially what you're wanting is a full spectrum lamp
0: yeah which is uh the closest to like natural light you can artificially make if i recall correctly yes there's some there was like a really cool setup that i want to do sometime which is basically doing like a giant arch over your desk of leds so yeah, what are th- those called? Uh, halo lights? Um, halo lights are like a circle that goes around your camera. Uh, this was just like okay. a setup I saw on, like, bell Lossals or something. But that would do a really good job of eliminating shadows on your model, which is cool and lets it, you see it a lot easier, but you also still want, like, a directional lamp for color testing or i'm not sure what the proper expression is but you don't always want that fancy setup you want a lamp that's just pointing straight down during times at least i find it to be very useful so Mm
1: -hmm. make Um, sure the light falls where it's supposed
0: to yep um i've gone through a couple paint apps Uh, again i'm not sure what there is out there for other companies but the citadel paint range had i got a third party app for a long time until citadel came out with its official one which was Really helpful in sort of teaching me what triads I should be using or what triads were designed to go together. And we're not talking about like color triads as in colors that complement each other. This is a triad of like a base color, a mid tone, and a highlight color, which are all supposed to work together to simulate a single color. I found that to be really useful. I'm not sure if the new one still does that. It's been a while since I looked at that. I apologize. Do you have any sort of apps or things you use, Roman?
1: Uh, I do not.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that's definitely optional. Yes. All right. Okay. So, you got your stuff. You got your minis. I guess minis is probably an important thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> Painting-wise. Yeah. Painting-wise. I, mean, like, I, had,
1: I had one other uh, piece of non-standard equipment that I... Yes. Within the last two years or so I got, and it has changed life, uh, is a miniature holder. So, like, if, we're, if we're trying God, to paint yeah. and we're holding the base for forever that tires your hands out whereas this is something where you can basically lock the uh base of the miniature into something more ergonomic and you can hold on to that with your whole hand instead of just your like thumb and forefinger uh the one i have is also pretty cool because it has like a like a metal stick that kind of curves up over the miniature uh, which at first you're going to look at and go what is this for it's a place to rest your hand with the paintbrush. Ooh. To where it's not, where, where you're not trying to like make a straight line or color a tiny part of it while freehanding it with your hand not supported. Nice. Yeah. I've seen these out. I think GW makes a plastic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably other ones out there. The one I have is a Rathcore. R-A-T-H-C-O-R-E. They're nice wood. Uh, they have a bunch of different, well not a bunch, but a few different styles of them. Different sizes. Uh, to hold different stuff. Very cool.
0: Yeah, we've got Citadel handles. They don't have the the support bar thing, which I've got seems my, really uh, useful.
1: I've got my bondage handle here, though.
0: So. Yeah, you got the one with the clippies on it.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, those, that'd be another good one. And some people might want a, uh, a magnifying glass. Oh, uh, like a, yeah. like a magnifying lens thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you've you got the bad eyesight or if you want to get in a super duper detail go ahead and use it with how small weird it is already i mm, okay yeah. i'm not saying i i might cut this out i'm not saying don't buy one but if you want to be super duper professional go with that but as long as you can see it relatively well by itself you're looking at detail you're possibly looking at detail that no one else is going to see like ever
1: yeah, I would, I would say whenever you're working with a magnifying glass, or even anything with a miniature, like, every so often, just remember you're playing with these things at, like, at least arm's length away. And you're painting it at probably, like, a foot away from your face. So every now and then, just kind of hold your arm out and go, Oh, it does look a lot better out there. And I'm <laughs> trying to blend this thing that no one's going to notice. I'm spending too much time.
0: Okay. So I'll go ahead and say that quote again because I kind of have it in here. It's like, once you get past the point of just designating certain parts of the model as a certain color, the second you advanced from that basic concept of miniature painting, all you're trying to do is cheat your brain. You're just trying to lie to your eyes about what this thing is and how more or less you're, you're trying to lie about depth and size. You're trying to add details to it that are just impossible at the size the model is because that's what a real life thing would more look like. So um, how do you paint? And I kind of have two sort of techniques here and they're not too terribly different, but one I did for the longest time and one I do now and they have their pros and cons. So first off, regardless, you've got to you've got to prime the model, prime your model, prime it, prime it, prime it. There, I guess we kind of went over this before, but I want to say that miniature company-specific primers tend to be a little bit on the thinner side. A bit. You can definitely do perfectly fine with store-bought primers. I mean, big store-bought primers. But I noticed just a slight difference between your, like, your Army Painter, Citadel, whatnot. Who else is the one that... Vallejo? i don't think valleja is i'm just trying to think about the rattle cans we have at our local store because it's a third brand but uh, again it really depends on how much you care about the tiniest tiny details and what you can afford the most part a lot of this is just not going to matter in the long run so go ahead and get the cheap stuff man so you've pr- you prime the model go ahead and prime the model gray for the most part white for certain other situations and black for certain other other situations and then we get into sort of the two different sort of theories of the two different paint styles. One, which was sort of the... I keep talking about Citadel. I apologize. I'm, you're not getting the full information from other people. It's just how I learned to paint. And so I know that there's different ways out there. But the Citadel way was you base-cone it with more or less your darkest color. Now, that's not necessarily true. You will develop darker colors as you paint. But the idea is generally the, the darkest color goes on first, and then you build up brighter and brighter colors on top of that. Um, so you would just do your, your base coat, your, your low tone, your low layer first. And then um, if you have them, which I recommend you probably get those soon, uh, you go over with your shade or your inks. Depending on what the material is, and I think we'll get into later, depends on how much ink you use. And it also really, really depends on... Yes, that is a street shirt. Um, it also really, really depends on what company's stuff you're using, because some of it is thicker, some of it has more pigment, so some of it dries really, really weird. But we'll go into those techniques later. We're just talking about the painting style. And after you do your shading, then you do sort of your middle layer, and your middle layer is sort of the color that you actually want to come across as the color that you're using. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's the same for both these sort of techniques. Now, the more advanced you go, the more layers you do. You do um, This is sort of like a three-layer, sort of pseudo four-layer system, but then you'll get into five and six and seven layers as you want the blending to sort of be uh, less noticeable but starting off with three layers is a good way to go. It's a good way to go. So after you do your middle, then you'll do a highlight. And that is mostly just like doing the raised areas or the areas that light will hit the most. And then if you really, really, really want to, this is why it's a pseudo fourth. You can, you can do edging, which is just very, very sharp edges of materials or points where you really want to convey that sort of sharpness or, or lines. It's, basically kind of the opposite of, of of uh using your inks the way the inks are supposed to work so you, um that's where you get your biggest contrast from so like the edge of like belts and swords and oh uh, why am i drawing a blank what are other things the edges of chitin on your tyranids pouches okay <laughs> It's 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 dr- yeah, like flaps and stuff. Yeah, it's it's for drawing lines. Think of it as like you're drawing lines. You want to accentuate this thing to make it more noticeable. That's Highlights. what you, that's what you do with your edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's like terminology. I think is a little bit more fluid. There isn't a specific definition of what is an ed- edge and what is a highlight. They're both technically highlighting, but in this. I would consider highlight being like brighter versions of your middle color, the the actual the true color you're going for. So the technique I use now is you primer it, big big surprise. But then I start with the uh, main color, the middle color. Um, I have down here the intentional color. I like that expression. So you start with your intentional color, and then after you've done, you're done. And you will sometimes need to do multiple layers. You should point that out as well depending on how thick your paint is color you're using you will probably need to do more than one more than one layer but um, that's good that means your paint is thin it means that you're not destroying detail by having super duper thick paint but yeah that's a bit of a forewarning for you new people you will sometimes have to do multiple layers that's that's fine it's not going to be that big of a deal i don't think But after you got your intentional color down, then you go for the sort of lower, or what I refer to as the base color before, and you paint in the shadows. And you sort of determine the shadows by using, uh, for the most part, what I use is is the lamp, the directional light just pointing straight down, which gives me kind of an idea of what's supposed to be in shadow and what's supposed to be bright. And then I'll paint that stuff in. And that tends to work out a lot better for me than building up from the lowest color, but... It might not work for you, but after you do the shadows, then you do the shading um, or inking, whatever that stuff. And then the highlight color and then the edge, as we talked about before. So that's sort of a pseudo three-color system with five paints, more or less. Does that make any sense, Roman? That makes
1: perfect sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd heard highlighting, or edging, as you put it, I hadn't heard that term Honestly, before everything I'd heard has been like second or third highlight. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, just just as a, a point for everyone listening, you're gonna, as Doug said, the terminology is a little fluid out on the internet and
0: wherever you can find this. So kind of feel it out as you read it. Yep, I probably again borrowed that because that's how Citadel taught me to think. Now they had, I don't know if it's still called that, but they had an edge, quote unquote, line of paints. So that's kind of where the tone came from. But whereas a highlight can be over like a fold of cloth or like a shoulder pad or something. Well, that's intense to show that the color has more light on it and thus brighter. Edging is specifically there to pick out specific lines or edges of objects, which tends to be like an almost white color tinted to the, the, the color you're using. So if you've got a brown, it's going to be a light tan. If you've got a red, it's going to be a near pink. That sort of thing, but um, how do do you use either of these two sort of systems? or Do you have something different you use? I guess how do you paint Roman? I I kind of do center start. I definitely again coming from forty k. Although
1: I I didn't like read Citadel, but I I ended up going to like uh, I like haven't even been there in a minute. Uh, Bella lost souls and you know all all the forty k like websites essentially. I, that's kind of where I learned initially. So I did the, the Citadel stuff for a while, and then I've switched to more of a center start idea. Um, and then lately I've been trying to push myself and doing more glazing and playing with more specific light. And uh, I think the, the best thing I've been working, or best thing I've recently been told is, again, since you're playing with these things three or four feet away from your eyes, push the, uh, the contrast as much as you can. So make sure dark's darker and your light's lighter. The point of when you're working on it, get to the point where you are uncomfortable and you think it looks bad. Because (laughs) it is so contrasted that the contrast is too high. Because when you hold it out at arm's length or put it on the table, suddenly it just pops. And that was told to me by Craig Shipman himself uh, when I was working on my Neverborn Rider.
0: Okay, Hooded Rider.
1: Yeah, Hooded Rider. Uh, And uh, he told me that one, and a good way to kind of figure out where the light should hit is get yourself a directional light, but uh, take a black and white picture of it, of the model, with the light coming at it at a certain direction. Because that'll really show you where the the highest highlights Mm -hmm. should be. And then you can yourself add the color back.
0: And then you can really up the contrast to make that easier to pick out.
1: Yeah, and that gets more into more advanced stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially hit it with the middle color first, darken where it needs to be darkened, light where it needs to light up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: break this down into as many steps as you need.
0: I guess we could sort of talk about Xenothal highlighting here. Xenothal yeah. highlighting is more or less uh, and more advanced technique. But you can use parts of the technique for helping yourself figuring out how lighting works. And really, what you're going to do is you're going to either uh, hit your model with a black primer or dark or a gray primer, and then <clears throat> hit it from the top. And I'd say no more than no more down than like a 45 degree angle with a white primer, which will sort of make it look like those old uh, old the uh, cover art for the old Batman games, art yes. and all that. And that's, that's kind of what you're going for because you're using the white to sort of simulate sunlight or, or light coming down from up above. And so go and just take a snap a picture of that model after that's done. and That'll be a really good guide for you. Depending on the paint you're using, it might not be thin enough to actually have that zenithal come out on the model at, while you're painting it. But you can just still use the picture um, going forward. Anything else that's like sort of newish that you can use with zenithal... Uh, For me, switching to an
1: airbrush was when I really started using Zenithal, just because it's so easy to just be at the different angles. For most things, I agree, at most 45-degree angle from the top. But ultimately, that's going to change depending on where the light's coming from. So if you want to start playing around more with uh, object source lighting, or OSL, which is much more advanced, that's kind of where you can start playing with that. Oh, I can kind of zenithal real quick from this area because this lamp on the model is going to have light coming from it.
0: Okay. Anyways, I kind of I kind of want to go back. And I I think shade paints are so useful and so critical. They might actually be on the basics basic needs for painting. That's my own personal view. But yeah,
1: I I would agree with that. If you uh, uh,
0: look at it, okay, look at it this way. If you only can put two layers of paint down on whatever it is that you're painting, you're going to get the most mileage out of your midtone, your your intentional color and shade. Yes, that is going to be the biggest difference between looking like you it's, it's just a kind of a, a children's toy and then a real like miniature miniature.
1: Yeah, there's a reason that Agrax Earthshade is so often called talent in a bottle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have to use Citadel. I have about half Citadel, half Army Painter. Army Painter's, I think, a little bit more forgiving as far as pooling goes, but I guess we can go over that real quick. I used to do shade over my entire model, and I don't anymore, because if you are not very vigilant about picking up uh, pooling, pooling being like shade is very thin, and it's meant to like gather and pool in lower areas, recesses, and it'll darken those areas because usually if like it, an edge or like a dent or, or something um, is going to be darker because it's doesn't have it's not letting it as much light in because light's being blocked at least partially. But if you let too much of it pool, you're going to have these really. First off, you're going to have these your the places that it is pooling being way too dark and two, you're going to have um, some splotchiness around the model. So I only, now I only paint the parts I actually want to have the shade in. And I think the army painter stuff is a little bit more forgiving in that. So that's kind of actually why I started using is because I wasn't having, wasn't having a good time shading like physique, um, human muscle and all that stuff because it doesn't have a lot of like solid lines to it, uh-huh. so it was it was difficult for me to shade. But I think the army painter stuff was a lot more useful in that regards. But for the most part, what I do is that I will find the edges, and then I will just brush in the shade into them, and pick out all all of the the hard corners. You're looking for as much like narrow passages as possible. I think for shading. Um, and that's mm-hmm. not thats not to say you can't do the entire model, you still can, you just need to be more vigilant, and depending on the company you're using, you want to thin that shade out more. Because otherwise you'll find yourself basically painting the entire thing again with yeah, your, your uh, intentional color afterwards to fix all of the pooling and uh, stuff.
1: Yeah, and if you're going to do the whole thing, don't try and do it all at once. Do, like, one facing of it, let it dry... Do the other facing of it, because if you're trying to get like under something, and you've already done the top of the model, if you have to turn it over to get under it, all of the shade's gonna go to the top of the model and sit there and start to dry.
0: That is not good. That is a good piece of advice. Thank you, Roman. Mm-hmm. Okay, We've been over taking care of your brushes, test models. Oh, that's nice. If you go out and buy bones, <laughs> people. Yes, bones are amazing. Unless you just happen to have a lot of models sitting around you don't care about, go out and buy some cheap models so you can do testing. It's better to know what paints you want to use and what techniques you want to use beforehand than just trying it out on the model you intend to put on the table. And so bones are are sort of the the shorthand for um, cheap miniatures. (laughs) But they're decent yeah. quality. They're still they're still pretty cheap though, so that's that's good. Yeah, they're, of the go-to. they're
1: by Reaper, if I remember correctly. Yes, Reaper Bones. Yeah. Or if you want to spend a little bit more, the uh, current D and D minis are pretty nice, and they're pre primed for you.
0: Yay. Okay, thin your paints. Oh yeah, I'm surprised it took us this long to get to this part. Okay, thin your paints. Everyone tells you thin your paint paints it is a meme in the painting community. I guess is a community at this point. But you got to thin your paints. All the stuff that comes in the pots, if it was properly thinned when they shipped it to you, it would be fucking huge. Yeah. So they they send you, you know, thick paint, and they expect you to thin it, and you need to thin it. Depending on what you're using, water will work well, but there are certain other, like, things you can get. Um, I think Vallejo Airbrush Thinner is really popular. Citadel has its own really expensive thinner that I can't remember the name of. Get, I, you could probably do multiples, or at least try try out it out with water and see where it gets you. Um, this is definitely kind of a, what works for you, sort of a situation. Go ahead and test the different ones out. But no one ever tells you exactly how much you need to thin, and the sort of the obvious reason behind is because it really depends on the kind of paint and who it's from. Because thinness can even vary greatly from the, from the same manufacturer from color to color, and sometimes even pot to pot. So it's up to you to figure out when it's thin enough. And this is sort of a thing that takes you a while to learn. But I'm going to go ahead and explain the system I came up with that I'm most happy with. And maybe that might save you some time. Um, This is where the paper towels come come into play. So what I'll do is that um, I got some dropper bottles filled with Thing right now, I'm using the whatever the Citadel stuff is, but um, that's another purchase that might be good. Is like if you want something to be easily measured out, you might want to get some empty dropper balls and fill it with whatever crap you're using. Um, Definitely don't want to use the pot of whatever Citadel's thing is because then that'll get contaminated. No one wants that. (coughs) So I'll usually start off around one third thinner, roughly that compared to the amount of paint I'm using, and um, get a little bit on that brush once it's mixed in. And then I'll just dab it on the paper towel real quick. And what I'm actually looking for are two things. One, is the paint sitting on top of the paper towel, or has it soaked into the paper towel? Um, if it's sitting on top, then it's super-duper thick, and you got to go a lot further uh, working for it. But after that, the sort of sweet spot I've found is that once I dab it on the paper towel, does it spread just just ever so slightly? And once it starts just gently spreading a little bit, that's usually the consistency that I'm looking for in paint. Um, you can usually go a little bit further than that, but I try to one coat everything if I can because... I don't have the time most of the time, but that's what really works for me. And that's still like being able to identify that quickly if it's spreading or not is, is still something you need to sort of train yourself for, but it's worked out really well for me. But again, like depending on the type of paint you're using, you might want to start at like a one-to-one, even thinner versus paint. But the nice thing is that you can fix it either way. You can add more paint from the pot or bottle to thicken it up and you can add more thinner You just don't want a massive blob taking up like a third of your palette trying to get this consistency right. But that's what works for me. Um, Do you have any sort of like tips or tricks for thinning that you want to share, Robin?
1: I honestly basically dip my brush in my water cup. Make sure your water is clean. And I shake it off less than usual and use it to drip a couple drops into the little bit that I usually have on my wet palette. And kind of mix it until it is the best uh, way I have to describe this is slightly thicker than the consistency of milk,
0: whole milk. Yes. For okay. <laughs> the longest time, like I heard this advice before. I was like really mini painting, and I was very confused because my family only drank skim milk. I was I was a tortured child, and that's 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 definitely not the consistency you want.
1: Yeah, no, no. You do not want skim milk paint. This will get you nice thin layers, uh, which will mean you'll need to do more of them. Yeah. So that might be something to work towards as you go from beginning painter to working into an intermediate, especially if you're like me and and you really are painting things because you want to play with them. I'm at a point where I have enough stuff where I'm playing with them right away. Newer people... Put paint on models if that's what you're wanting it to be. Know that you will improve over time. And whatever helps you feel good so that you feel like you are learning as you are painting. That's the important part here.
0: Yeah. Cool. Once you get into thinner paints, you will need to manage the amount of paint you have on your brush more so than normal. Um one of the worst things you can do is get, like, a brush load full of paint that's relatively thin, and the second it touches that model, it just shoots out all over the <laughs> all over the model. Um, every time. Every time. So that's – that. actually, that's also why I do my, like, test technique is because if you just dab it on a paper towel real quick, then you're almost never going to have too much paint on that paintbrush. So, Very hey, true. a, a double, double duty for that, but – You definitely want to be able to see the bristles through it. If you can't even see the bristles, it's either A, too thick, or there's too much on it. Yes. Um, Never, like, jam your entire brush into the paint you have on your palette, because then it's going to get up in the ferrule, and it's going to destroy your paintbrush a lot faster. But... Yes. Even though I don't follow that rule every time. (laughs) you Just try to to be nice to your paintbrushes if you can.
1: Yeah, on on that same front, whenever you're, like throwing around your paintbrush in your in your water like don't jam it on the bottom of the the oh god no the thing and just scrub it around that's not what you want you're you're rinsing the paint out of the bristles you're not scrubbing the bottom of the cup with your brush (laughs)
0: Just you don't know that. Swish it around pretty violently in the in the water. It will do a relatively good job. And then you bring out your old best bestie friend, the uh, the paper towel, and then you'll wipe it yeah. off in the paper towel. And if any paint comes off, then you know that you haven't quite cleaned it out yet. You go back to swishing it around. Hooray!
1: Yeah. And, and if you are painting red, uh, you feel like you've murdered someone, and <laughs> you need to remember to switch out your water for clean water
0: more often. Yes. Um, and then you lick your brush. Every good painter licks the brush. And then <laughs> you drink the paint water. Now, I've actually picked that up recently as well. I was wondering why people do it. And it's, it's it's the fastest way to sort of restate the point on your brush. But you know you got to make sure that thing is clean. Mm-hmm.
1: If you're gonna do this, make sure you're not using anything toxic. Yeah. Like radium.
0: Yeah. Don't be yeah. using radium, folks. I would probably stick away stay away from metallics either. Just to just to be safe. But yeah, <laughs> uh, paint your eyes, people. I don't care how newbie of a, of a painter you are. Paint your eyes.
1: Have something there, please.
0: Paint your eyes.
1: <laughs> but uh, to- Asterisks asterisk there. There are some models that essentially are doing like a 90s cartoon Superman where they just kind of have a divot. Those, don't worry about painting. Just throw some some shade in there or something. Yeah, just so there's definition, because there, not every model has has space for big anime eyes.
0: Just sometimes, well, it depends on what anime eyes you're talking about, because sometimes they'll, <laughs> they are Brock from Pokemon. Yeah, but for the most part, most things do have eyes, and that is honestly, I'm, here's a secret: if you're ever at my tournaments and you do the painting contest, I'm just, I'm not going to throw it out, but I'm probably going to dismiss anything that didn't even bother to do the eyes. Eyes are so critical in us humans for recognizing faces and features and stuff like that, that if you don't take the time to do it, it's just it just feels weird. But there aren't the easiest things to do. I will 100% agree with you on that. It's something you need to practice working on, and you should just get started practicing as early as possible. So the way I do eyes, which is involves lots of mistakes, so um
1: lots and lots uh, and lots of cleaning up your painting
0: oh yeah a lot a lots of cleanup so you probably would want to do this more or less near the end but you also might need to touch up part of the face after you're done as well um so after you've you know done most of the painting your eyes the eye sockets probably would have had a layer of shade go into them so they're relatively dark you want to grab An off-white, not straight white, because your eyes are, you know, in these holes in your head. And so they're not going to be getting direct sunlight, so you don't want direct white. Um, I usually go for a very light gray, and that works out pretty well for me. So you just want to get that in there and more or less cover where the eye is. You're you're already going to be starting making mistakes here because it's such a small workspace you're working on. That's fine. Get those nice grayish blobs in those eye sockets. And then you want to grab your black... And depending on how big your miniature is, we're kind of assuming weird here, but some other companies will have big enough eyes that you can do, like, color and stuff, but for, uh, I think every, just about every weird miniature, it's just not going to work out. So you grab your black, and then you try and get as far into the center as possible, and just do a vertical line. You don't really want to try to make a dot because that's going to end up being very, very big and you're going to look like you're on drugs. <laughs> and you want it to be a line because you want it to not have any white above or below the black because then's our crazy eyes.
1: Unless you want your model to have crazy eyes.
0: That's, that's, that's true. If you're
1: painting Sonya, you're fine.
0: <laughs> but you know when you when you look at someone's eyes, you don't see any white above or below the eyes unless they're very very wide eyed. So um, that's how you want to do that. Again, you're probably going to be making mistakes. If you make too big of a black blob, then you go back to the light gray and you just sort of you just sort of walk it in. Um, you start you just put your paintbrush on a spot that already has the gray and then just slowly nudge it towards the black and you'll slowly make that a much more reasonable black. Okay, at this point their entire eye socket is colored a color it's not supposed to be and probably part of their face. That's fine. Now you got to go back to your, your flesh colors. First off, fix around, fix around the spot of the eye. That's, you know, outside of the socket with whatever flesh tone you're using. And then to fix the interior, sort of like where the eye socket starts, go and pull out your darkest color Try and sort of match up to the shade if you can. But then you just want to, I think the expression is walk it in. So just start from the outside and then just make some thin lines uh, on the top and bottom until you slowly reduce the size of the eye to something manageable. And sometimes you might overdo a little bit and there's just like a tiny slit there. But as long as you can see white, black, white, your eyes will almost always just register that as that's an eye. Maybe they're just squinting slightly.
1: See, this is why zombies are superior, because you can just paint the whole thing white and nobody's going to ask you any questions. Yeah,
0: or gremlins, which are, I think, canonically gold, although I'm not sure if they have irises. but They um, might
1: just have uh, not enough... They might just have scurvy. <laughs>
0: <Fair>. <laughs> but, um, gremlins when,
1: don't eat vegetables. Once you
0: get to that point, it might still slightly be a bit too big, but consider just putting a dab of your shade in there and then, you know making sure it's not pooling too much, that will also sort of uh, blend it to the point where it will look like a normal eye. And it just just takes a lot of practice, but that's how I've managed to make it work with the fact that I tend to screw up relatively often. But any any thoughts on that, Roman?
1: Uh, the one thing I would add, and this is a personal thing that I've just found works for me, is I actually usually do the eyes a i i hate doing skin in general it's part of the part of that's because i play a miniatures game where there's not usually a ton of skin it's like face and hands maybe maybe a leg but i just find it really to make skin look good takes a lot of layers i say that as someone who watches my girlfriend paint kingdom death miniatures that are mostly skin and she makes them look really good
0: just all skin
1: yeah skin Skin. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah she she makes them look really good with about 30 layers of stuff and I'm like n- no, n- no. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much like get me the uh, get me your, your base skin, shade it and then that's usually when I do the eyes because I found that for more and more detail work, I want to think of the miniature as like a topographical map and I want to start at the deepest point first.
0: Oh yeah, that's just out. that's just a good advice in general. When you're painting a miniature, paint the lowest, like the deepest further in because once you're reaching that brush in past parts of the miniature, you have the threat of getting that paint on that upper portion that you didn't want there. So mm-hmm. to save on screw-ups, work from out from inside out. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Which tends to be so, Yeah, and so I do skin and then I do eyes right away and then I leave them alone (laughs) Uh, as much as possible. The other trick, and I haven't done this in a minute, I don't know if it's just an experience thing or whatnot, but for the longest time, and I forget where I read this, but it was recommended to do eyes since most miniatures have like a brow ridge and you can screw up on that. Turn your mini upside down paint eyes the same way just you're not running into the brow the brow ridge as you do it oh Um,
0: actually yes um i do a modified version of that uh it's a lot easier for me since i'm right-handed to paint their left eye while they're normally vertical because i paint left to right and then when i want to do the right eye just flip them upside down because then i can just use the same brush motion oh that's cool yeah
1: but yeah, other than that, everything's the same, and then always remember to break out that one little tiny dot of uh, reflection on your eyeball, because uh, that really <laughs> if, makes it pop.
0: If you got enough space.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and that's when you break out your, your like, triple zero brush and just do, like, a tiny little dot of your, and that's where I usually do the, if not straight up white, then, like, that just barely off white, like, less off white than you did for the the sclera, Yeah. for the eye. Uh, and that just, it, it gives that little extra point of polish and otherwise makes your, it, it's again, tricking your brain into going, ah, a real person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the real people. Okay. we got st- st- we got a bunch of stuff here. So let's just go down it real quick because I don't want to spend a whole ton of time doing this. How to view your model. Um, you alluded to this, Roman, but never, ever judge how you're supposed to paint something Unless your model is either. Unless you're looking at your model from roughly 50 degrees, say they're on a table and you're playing a game. That is one way where you're going to be constantly seeing your model, so that's how you should look at it when determining how to do your highlights. The only other way you should look at it is straight on as though you've picked the model up and you're just looking at it. I don't know how long it took me to realize that, but I kept like. Looking at my model from a lower angle as I was like doing shading and stuff, I was like, "Oh, that's too dark." Oh, that's too too strong of an edge, and I need to fix it. And I ended up like ruining it because your model is never no, your model is not going to be upside down. Your model is not representative of a person who is upside down. They are standing for the most part straight up, and the sun is coming down on them. So there's not a situation where you should. Const- you- worry and measure about the light hitting your model from that angle. And it just took me so long to get that through my head. And I still do it. Where it's like, oh man, that looks wrong. This looks wrong. It looks completely wrong. And then I'll turn it right side up and just set it down on the, on the desk. Like, oh yeah, no, that, that actually looks really, really great. So that's, that's a lesson that you could probably stand to learn earlier than I did.
1: Yeah. And add that in with the same idea of at arm's length. Yeah. Uh, and this is, of course, presuming you're you're painting for playing a game. If you're painting for display, that's a whole different conversation, and you should be talking to <laughs> Someone uh, else. or looking. Yeah, you you should be talking to the people that like put these things up for like golden demons and things, because they follow entirely different rules and and ways of doing this.
0: Okay. Uh, when to dry brush? And dry brush. Uh, dry brushing is a technique where you'll get paint on a brush. Usually they're like specific types of dry brushes, although you can just use a crappy brush that's kind of dying of painful death as well. You'll get just direct paint onto it. You don't really have to thin it out, although I tend to thin mine out just a little bit. I think I get slightly better results from that. And then uh, wipe off like 95% of it onto a paper towel, which will also involve you like stabbing the brush into the paper towel, which is why you want to use the crappy brushes just to make sure it gets all off. And then you are gently swiping at the model like a cat playing with a toy with the brush. And what you're really trying to do is just to get that paint on the raised areas, preferably like the raised sharp areas, which is kind of reflective of what I talked about the edge process. That's what you're trying to pick up. Um, it works better with like a lot of textured stuff. Like if you get a model with like a bunch of scales or sometimes feathers. yeah feathers or hair, it works out a lot better with that. But when to dry brush really depends on the size of the model and the texture you're looking at. It doesn't work a lot of the time for weird miniatures, sadly, except for, I think, in the feathers category. Because even scales, there's just not enough depth to it where you're not like getting that dry brush into the crevices where it really shouldn't be. And there ends up being a lot of cleanup for me. But do you dry brush any of your stuff, Roman? Uh, on occasion,
1: but it's been a long time. I used to do it a lot more. Again, 40k, you got like 10 dudes in a unit. And yeah. I was doing space wolves, so they wanted to look like they were running through a blizzard anyway. And <laughs> I, just, I dry brushed way the hell too hard. Yeah. But yeah, the the uh, crappy brushes that you get to start off with, as they start to die, they turn into dry brush brushes.
0: Yay! Um,
1: if you do this to your uh, sable brushes, uh, someone will cry. It'll probably be me. We'll send uh, the
0: brush police. Oh, we'll send the brush police. Yeah, they're your
1: opponent. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, any more if I'm dry brushing, it's it's for a more organic look, like you said, or if I'm doing like ice, it's really good for, for snow ice looking stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Or if I want something to look a little dirty, like if I have someone in like khaki pants and they have a bunch of pockets or something on them, and I want to just look like they have just... Desert dust all over them. I'll take a, a lightish brown and just dry brush the crap out of the pant folds. I think
0: um, I want. We're just rambling here. <laughs> I know. I devolved from the list.
1: I did dry brushing for my rogue necromancy and also my um, carrion emissary for the feathers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those are those are perfect examples because they're also both larger models. Mm-hmm. So there's naturally more texture and there's more real estate for the texture to, to be and for the dry brush to do a good job. Yep. And a lot of edges that you don't want to edge individually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does take a long time to to do edging that way. The only other thing that I would suggest using dry brushing for is if you want to make something look dry. Ah. Surprisingly yes. enough, a a bunch of very small lines in a non like standard pattern makes things look dry. I think the only thing I can recall, really, that I've used it for weird miniatures is bin zombies, of all things. Yeah. Like, th- for the most part, unless they've been sitting in, in muck, the, the desiccated body is going to be slightly drierish. At least that's how I did the technique. It looks good, just trust me. <laughs> okay, that's dry brushing. Let's um, always pick your, your triad. I like, I like saying triad. There's a lot more layers that go into it, but sort of your three general ideas, the shadow, the intended color, and the highlight is pretty much how you're building this paint scheme. Always pick those out and hold them together before you paint your model, just to make sure that they're going to show what you want to happen i have done it on multiple occasions where i've thought i had the right highlight color and it end up looking like garbage so unless of course you're building up from a single color use it mixing in other ones in which case just throw that advice out the window that's actually probably safer than picking multiple colors without changing what their hue is
1: yeah speaking of colors uh what would we like to say about which colors are hardest to paint
0: um yeah, warm colors. Let's let's get into that. Okay. There there's more than just warm colors, but I think the the big th- four or five are red, orange, yellow, black and white and sometimes green to a degree. And that I believe is mostly because trying to do a highlight color is not just making the color lighter with white and same for a darker color it's just not adding black it doesn't really look right and especially if you're going for vibrancy it just doesn't look vibrant at all you can get away with that with blues and purples to agree although you can mix those guys together a little bit to some effect but really it's it's the worm colors and then green and i think well i haven't had a whole ton of difficulty with those colors primarily because i maybe stumbled across i don't want to say this is the reason that it's they're hard but the easy way for me is to actually use a different color for my bait for the the dark colors and a different color for my highlight or edge so you just look at the the spectrum and it it sort of makes sense so like if you want to paint orange your dark color is actually going to be red because red is a darker orange without the black and your higher your highlight color is going to be an orange yellow to almost a yellow because that is a brighter orange not orange plus white and mm-hmm. um, you know red will be a higher li- a highlight of orange and a dark color of I usually go for a mix of red and purple which is a, a burgundy I don't have a lot of mm-hmm. like straight burgundy paints. But that is will work out because you're trying to cool it down with something that isn't black, which in this case is blue. That's how you get the burgundy. Yellow again, you'll want your low color to be orange. Um, yellow is the only one I think where you can your 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 edge or your highlight can be a mix of yellow and whites because at that point there's nothing really brighter than yellow except for white. Um, yeah. Although, green, again, if you want it to actually look like a bright, vibrant green, then your highlight is going to be a mix of green and yellow, not green and white. So that's for those colors. For black and white, it's a little bit simpler of an issue of if you cool down, if you gray down white too much, then it becomes gray instead of white. And if you light up black too much, it becomes gray instead of black. And the trick there is to actually add color to it, and it's a lot more fun with white than it is for black. But my general uh, go around is you can do a little bit of gray, and still make it look like black. But the safer option I think is to do like the darkest effing blue you can make, almost like a dark turquoise even, which doesn't get it gives the appearance of black more than uh, straight dark blue does. Yeah, I got that that midnight blue. Yes, that, that that's basically your highlight color because you can't. Your your darkest color has to be your straight black, but to build up a highlight without making it look gray is sort of the challenge. And I think it's a lot easier to mitigate if you use color, and that's actually the same way to uh, do white because your highest your brightest color is just it's just going to have to be, be white. So how do we make your mid-tone and your your sh- your dark color? Something that isn't just a different version of white or gray, because it's just going—it's just going to come out looking like gray. I have not gotten it to work a whole ton, and again, that's just adding color. Um, if you want to go warmer, I'd do like maybe even a bit of a tan. Tan tends to work better for me, as for as far as you like a very very light tan as your darkest color goes a long way because in nature, there's actually very very little white. It's just Mm -hmm. a very, very bright version of a different color. And so that's how we're kind of reflecting that. And white is actually a lot of fun because you can sort of detail it and give it personality and feeling depending on what darker color you're using. One of the most fun things is to do cool white, which is like a baby blue building up to your highlight being white. And it makes it look very cold and very clean. And that's one of my most favorite colors to paint. But if you want it to be warmer or a little bit dirtier, then you probably want to go more towards the tan. Or um, there's another color I'm trying to remember that I kind of use for base. I don't do nearly as much warm white, though. Maybe the tiniest bit of yellow. Tannish yellow.
1: Yeah, somewhere in the the more yellowy into brown earth tones is probably where you're going for that. And then for the, the cool, you're going blues and grays.
0: Blues and grays. But, I mean... It's really good, again, for the internet. If you look at pictures of things that are white and then you just pick out the parts that aren't in direct light and you look at those colors individually, that's a real great thing about technology is you can actually just use the eyedropper function on a lot of different paint programs to pull out that darker color and look at it by itself because if you're just looking at the, the picture straight on, your eyes want to say, yes, that's white. All of that is white. But you use the eyedropper, and you pull out just that single color in the dark area, and you look at it by itself, and it's like, oh, that's 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 not white. And it, it blows your effing mind. That's how I do white. That's how I do black. That's how I do red, orange, and yellow. And it's worked out for me so far. If you don't want to go as vibrant, and you're perfectly welcome to do, for the most part, you just add in a little bit more... Brown tends to mute things, takes them, make, makes them a little bit more relatable. Just don't go straight brown. Mix brown into whatever color you're um, using. Also, as well, you can actually add the same sort of warmth or personality to that particular color, color by your shade. And so... If you want the thing to look more dirty or worn out, then you actually want to often use uh, Agarex shade or your brown shade. Regardless of what the color is, because it will blend a little bit, but the idea of the shade is, one, it's the darkest part of the color, or two, it is like the just collection of all the pigments in whatever material that you're painting. And so if it's dirty, it's going to have brown in it because dirt is brown. So that's where the aggregates would come with, in with. But if you want more muted stuff, not brown wise, but like a more technical or metallic or um, almost if you're like looking at trying to replicate cell shading, then you would just want to go for the straight black shade. Is there anything but else? But it's all good information. <laughs> it is good information. I mean, I'm just trying to, trying to give as many tips as I can for new painters, and maybe additional stuff for people that are more familiar with it. But maybe someone else can learn. That's not a beginner painter. I guess is what I'm trying to get at.
1: But yeah. Ultimately, th- like we could do a hundred episodes on this, and we would never cover everything. The internet is there, we're giving you some some good starting points, and start there, and and onward with the journey, go
0: you, listeners. Yes, go you. All right. yeah, I think that's everything on my list, really. Uh, Victoria, anything else you want to say? Uh, no. Okay. Roman, any last parting words?
1: Take care of your brushes, and they'll take care of you, (laughs) and hold your miniature out at arm's length.
0: Yes, definitely. Unless you're actually painting it, then just get your nose in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in fact, uh, uh,
1: super uh, uh, super advanced technique. Paint only using uh, your like hold your brush in your mouth.
0: So. Um. <laughs> good luck with that i'm not gonna ask anyone to do that oh well one last real quick piece of advice you've reminded me of that don't judge as to whether or not your coloring is good until the paint dries paint will change color as it dries and it will blend a lot better once it's dried so don't immediately think it's like oh man this is this is too bright this is not gonna work at all just give it a little bit of time before you judge it
1: okay that made me think of another thing
0: okay um
1: (laughs) And this, this is, so I have a few friends who, and I've, I've gone through stages of this as well. When you look at what you've done, you're like, this is crap. I'm never going to get anywhere. Look at what, you know, Doug can do or whoever your your friend who has been painting longer than you, or just has that really annoying natural talent for it. Don't compare yourself to them. Compare where you are now to where you were previously. And you will do a better job of seeing how well you've come along. This can be tricky to do because you also do want to look at people who are further along on their creative painting journey than you so that you can aim on where you want to go next. But don't compare yourself to how good they are versus how good you are. That is, down down that way lies madness and depression.
0: Yes. And you're painting your stuff. That's... That's more than some other certain people in these hobbies can say. So at that point, it is already a point of pride. You know, detail and quality just are ancillary to that. You've painted your stuff. Be proud of that. And you will get better the more you paint. Hi, Wednesday. Needy cat. Uh, For those of you (laughs) out there, never, ever, ever belittle someone for their paint job. I will stab you. They are taking the time. We'll
1: personally find you.
0: (laughs) I'll personally find you and stab you. They are already probably very critical of their own work. You don't need to rag on them. They are making the attempts to paint. They are obviously going to get better with more tries. Fuck off. It is so horrible when people, (laughs) like, mock other people's paint jobs. Like, they've painted it. They are trying. They are going to get better. Shut the hell up. It's painted models. It is not green plastic. What?
1: They're the only person that's allowed to make fun of their own paint job.
0: Okay, fair. Yes. you, you I will not stab you if you make fun of your own paint job. Though yes. so
1: he may give you a hug and say, compare yourself to where you were six months ago. Yeah. And if he won't, I will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of us will hug you, but only one. <laughs> we won't both hug you. That's illegal.
1: Yeah. And, and <laughs> after after coronavirus is done, like currently you're going to get a, a thumbs up and a wave from six feet away
0: good job guys well hopefully you got something out of this Uh, I definitely enjoy painting if at all possible stay safe stay healthy and next time we'll maybe cover basing I think that's the only other primer that I can really do with any sort of knowledge of so look forward to that in like three months
1: (laughs) I might have more to say about
0: basing yeah you do basing better than I do so Victoria's gonna be the expert on that one alright thanks guys and as I always say fun is always king and have fun painting yeah. Yeah. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin MacLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.